Back in March, I attended my first in-person conference of 2022. During one of the sessions, I skipped out to see who else was playing hooky from the presentations. I found a couple of friends sitting at a cocktail table chatting enthusiastically. I walked over and asked what the big conversation was about. Cryptocurrency, Caroline chirped back at me. I just bought $1,500 worth, and Frank here says my money is going to more than double in less than a month. Welcome to episode 98 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, business development, and relationship building. I am your host, Julie Brown, and today I am talking with Josh Rhodes, an actual expert in cryptocurrency and the founder of Crypto, y'all. He's from Alabama who is here to educate us on the subject as well as teach us three types of crypto strategies that he promises anyone can understand. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR, and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. I get it. Right about now you're saying, Julie, what the fuck does cryptocurrency have to do with networking? But the truth is, crypto and conversations regarding it are all around us. Warren Buffett just bought $1 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars of Bitcoin. The number one commercials in the Super Bowl this year were crypto-related. The crypto gaming sector increased to a $21 billion, again, billion with a B, dollar market cap, and it's still climbing. But only 10% of the entire population has ever invested in crypto, meaning 90% of you know absolutely fucking nothing about it. So there's that. The other reason is that Josh uses LinkedIn as his primary source of disseminating information about his business and what he does. He describes a light bulb moment of discovering that he needed to go deep on LinkedIn instead of scattering his message around a bunch of different platforms. And all of you listeners know how much I love LinkedIn as a platform to build your personal brand and business on. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Honored to be here. Great. So in case there are some people listening who are complete newbies to this and don't even understand what cryptocurrency is, can you, in layman's terms, describe cryptocurrency? Well, I speak in word pictures, unfortunately, because I think my public education only goes so far. So I would say that if you're thinking about crypto, it's kind of like a zoo. Um, you go to the zoo to see animals, but when you get inside, there's a whole lot of different species, right? You got to make a decision on what you're there to actually see. And crypto is the, the same. Uh, and I would basically, for the layman, break it into two areas. You've got Bitcoin on one side and everything else on the other. Bitcoin is truly unique and different. Whereas everything else is basically what we would call an altcoin or uh, cryptocurrencies are basically software companies. Altcoins are, are virtually software companies using the technology of blockchain. And what you want to look for, obviously, are different utilities that come with those cryptocurrencies and not just the next meme coin or Dogecoin or uh, Shiba Inu or the stuff that communities of hype get behind, but do they actually have scaffolding or are they part of the scaffolding of our future society? And that's 
that's really what, what you want to look for. So, oh, I'm already lost. Um, so can you explain how there's Bitcoin and then there's everything else? So were they like the first one? So they are it. And yeah. is it? <laughs> My dog just uh, farted so bad. My dog just farted so bad. I need a second. <laughs> Oh my God, Royce! <laughs> I, will, I, will, I hope you right. keep them for real. That's fantastic. I'm gonna go back. My eyes are watering. <laughs> um. Okay. So is is there Bitcoin on one side and all the others on the other side? Because Bitcoin was the first, so they're like, yeah, the best. Or uh, it, it's uh, well, yes and no, depending on the, the outcome that you're looking for as, a, as an individual investor. Bitcoin, yes, is kind of the, the granddaddy of them all. It, it, if you're thinking about Bitcoin, before you think about currency and money, uh, think of it as a peer-to-peer network. It's the largest computer network on the planet. It's bigger than Google server farms and government agencies. It's decentralized. So that what that means is basically Julie and Josh can have Bitcoin miners who are the computers that uphold the network, but there could also be massive Bitcoin warehouses, right, in Iceland that also are a part of the Bitcoin network and all over the world uh, virtually and decentralized. And what that does is it creates a peer-to-peer network so that if you're in Shanghai and I'm in Sydney, Australia, or in Buenos Aires, we can send an unlimited amount of money to each other with no one else's permission and without having to trust a third party to arbiter our interaction, we can simply do it autonomously between each other independently. And it's the ultimate expression of self-reliance and autonomy and really self-sovereignty. And that's kind of the heartbeat of Bitcoin. Okay. And so it's got, it has the largest market cap. It, it, it flirts currently at the time of you and me, uh, you and I talking, it's about a one $1.2 trillion market cap, which obviously reflects its global adoption. But uh, and, and to put that into context, not everybody goes around knowing market caps, right? So like gold, just your good old fashioned gold has a $10 trillion market cap. But it's been around for how long? Right. Thousands of years. Right. Like, that's the beginning of the earth. Yeah. But Bitcoin has been around for 13 years and it already has a trillion dollar market cap. So its adoption curve or the adoption rate is as fast, if not faster than the internet adoption and sure. mobile phone technology. So that's why it's, that's why you and I are talking about it. It's yeah. why it's on Super Bowl commercials because the adoption rate is so fantastic. Uh, so yeah, Bitcoin is the, the, the large one. Then you've got, it's the Coca-Cola and then you've got Pepsi, which is Ethereum, right? Yeah the second largest market cap and ethereum's kind of like the first altcoin uh the first of its kind the first of its order if you will and it's just like programmable money it's kind of like how websites are built on uh ruby on rails and i'm not a d- developer software developer or, or or anything like that but like ethereum like i think something like 70% of crypto are are built on the ethereum network so it allows you to kind of understand 
the differences. Um, you don't build stuff on the Bitcoin network. It has appeared, it has a different utility and vibe and literally what we use it for. Uh, whereas the other altcoins of the world, like Avalanche or, or Chainlink, for example, this is a great example. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but there, yeah. when I say utility, um, we've got this blockchain technology, right? Bitcoin uses blockchain and altcoins use blockchain. And it's basically this open ledger, this transparency. You can see every transaction, every buy, every sell, every time you send me something and I send you something, we're, we're sending energy back and forth, literally. Well, it's trackable and traceable. Imagine like Wall Street doing that. Imagine Wall Street showing us everything they're doing. They won't. Right. They don't want us to see that. And, and so that's the centralized traditional financial system. This is in reaction. I mean, think about the 2008 subprime mortgage crisis. Yep. The next year, Bitcoin comes out. It was basically a reaction to saying, hey, the people centralized at the top have taken us plebs at the, at the bottom, us population folks at the bottom. They've, they're taking advantage of us one too many times. And they are basically having their way with us. And you got government, you got greedy corporate, whatever you want to talk about. And you got us, Main Street. So who's here for us? And so Bitcoin was, was born so that we have our own network of wealth and preservation of value. And then you have everything else, the altcoins that are all trying to do new things like Chainlink, for example, I mentioned. It's an Oracle service. How do you get all the data from the outside world onto blockchain so that smart contracts actually work more efficiently and better for us as the users? Well, you have to have an Oracle service that basically pipelines all of the daily data onto these blockchains. And so basically turning blockchains into the new internet. And so we're kind of in the middle of that revolution and people are starting to catch on. So I hope I didn't get too wordy, but I can No, remember. but it made me think when you say that Bitcoin was invented as a response to the subprime mortgage collapse. Like, how do you just invent a currency? Yeah, and it wasn't just thought up like that. It was years and years and years in the making, but it was serendipitous that the subprime mortgage crisis happened. It just almost created this ultimate moment on stage to usher in Bitcoin. And so there's a pseudonymous founder, Satoshi Nakamoto. We don't know who he or she really is. They stayed anonymous purposefully so as to not have a central figure because the whole idea is that we have a trustless money system mm -hmm. instead of one that's dependent on us trusting a third party like a central bank, sure. a federal reserve, sure. a president, a Congress, okay. or Wall Street. And so they stayed anonymous. And so well, what you, what you have is a Bitcoin who in 2010 was worth $2.70. Yeah. Worth now, you know, between 30 and $60,000, depending on the day you're looking at it. So that's going to bring me to my next question. Who establishes the value? Is it trading of it? Like who establishes the value? It's no central figure. It, uh, it's all uh, virtually algorithmic. That's really kind of a, a, a terrible way of explaining it, but it has everything to do with market cap and circulating supply. And the price is then calculated based on that. So Bitcoin will only ever have 21 million Bitcoin. There will only ever be that many. 
It's kind of like growing up. I heard the phrase here in the South. We use the word ain't a little too much. They ain't printing any more land, you know, because yeah. it's such a valuable yeah. uh, asset class. Well, Bitcoin and crypto uh, as an, is, an, is an emerging asset class. But when you start looking at why is Bitcoin valuable, one of the big reasons, one of about nine reasons is that it's scarce. It's programmed. No one can go in and go, hey, let's print some more you know, like the federal government can. Like 40% of all U.S. dollars that have ever existed were printed in the last two years. Right. So, and they just, they can do that at a whim. And what that really is doing to you and I as normal citizens is it's creating inflation and it's basically, it's an invisible taxation Yeah. Uh, on our purchasing power, where, whereas Bitcoin will never have that problem. So in the information packet you sent me, you mentioned that there are 5,000 different types of coins and 7,800 different types of cryptocurrencies, which to me is like, that's overwhelming. Yeah. So for someone like me who says, hmm, maybe it's time for me to look at this as something that I could start getting into, investing, buying, where does someone like me start? Which is probably most of my listeners, to be honest. Yeah, totally. And that's who crypto y'all, that's who my brand is for. It's for people who need a safe place to learn about crypto and and they're crypto curious, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have this curiosity, but you don't want to be like some advanced day trader trying to keep up with all the volatilities in the market. So what, where you need to start and where I started was I bought some Bitcoin and I bought some Ethereum. They're the two largest market caps in terms of size and adoption. And the larger the market cap in any arena of investment, the less volatility. Now, Something you need to understand is that because the entire market cap of the crypto market is still small, you're, you're going to get volatility even in the big guys like yeah. Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. But that um, acts, terrible way to say it, but basically as a gateway drug, as, a, as an introductory um, uh, volley into the crypto world. Once you own that asset, there's something about owning an asset. It's kind of like if you buy Delta Airlines stock, you kind of want to know what the CEO is going to be up yeah. to. What is their their corporate strategy? Well, the same thing is you start, if you buy Bitcoin, hey, look, go to Bitcoin.org and read the 12 page white paper. Like that's a really great place to start. It's extremely boring and nerdy just for the record. But there's a couple of paragraphs where you'll just have these aha moments. And uh, for you math nerds out there, you'll really love it. But Bitcoin and Ethereum are great places to start, get your feet wet, kind of go in ankle deep. And then as you get more uh, in tune with the patterns of the market and kind of become a more savvy investor and, and less emotional, then you can start getting into the lower market caps. And that's where you'll have the opportunity for more upside and more gains um, than you would in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Okay. So you say you have three types of cryptocurrency strategies, those three being appreciation, leverage, and cash flow. Can, can we break those three down? Sure. It's a framework that they fit into what I call the crypto flywheel. It's kind of a a trademark framework that I use with my crypto y'all community. And um, I start with the cash flow side and that that cash flow, it's it's possible to create cash flow with your crypto investments, especially in what's in the part of the zoo that's called decentralized finance, DeFi for short. And DeFi is is an arena where 
basically it, it's meant to replace traditional banking so that you can become your own bank. Great example. I had a member the other day who was like, wow, we have a lot of aha moments in, in crypto, y'all. And one of the one of the aha moments was he was like, hey, I've had I had thirty thousand dollars in my checking account. It earned 0.02% last month. I think it came out to, I don't know, 20 cents or whatever it yeah. was. And he's like, but I had $17 in this DeFi investment and I made 20 bucks on the $17 last month. So this is crazy. What will happen when I actually, you know, deploy more capital into more strategic DeFi investments? And the reason why that happens is because you have your capital and then you have other parts of DeFi that allow you to invest, lock up or uh, temporarily stake your capital and earn higher yields, maybe 20%. 50%, 100%, 225% annual percentage yields, and sometimes even far greater than that, where your capital is being used in a decentralized, basically a decentralized hedge fund, for lack of better words, or an investment pool. We call them liquidity pools. Mm-hmm. And that creates a treasury. And so then algorithmically, through the power of blockchain and smart contracts, d- investments are made and the greater pool of money goes out and farms higher yields and then brings the proceeds back to the Julie and Josh liquidity pool that we're a part of and redistributes the profits proportionately to the amount of tokens that we own. And it's just like, okay, wait, that's how it ought to be. Instead of me taking my check to the bank and then they just go out and make (laughs) billions on it and then give me 0.02% a month. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And that's DeFi and that's cash flow. Now, appreciation, that's just your good old fashioned buy and hold part of the flywheel. So I used the cash flow, the yield from the first part of the flywheel to really fuel what I believe in. What is, what are my almost religious convictions about the crypto future? What's going to be the scaffolding of our future society? Bitcoin, Ethereum, things like Chainlink, Avalanche, XRP. There's a lot of brands I could throw out. Obviously, this isn't financial advice. These are things that I have my eyes on. And I'm buying more of that with the cash flow that I'm creating from various parts of my world. And I'm going to hold those. Those are the bedrock of my asset portfolio. That's my crypto wealth because they are accretive in value. They have long runways. Bitcoin, like I said, Bitcoin has gone up over 100% a year, year over year in value since the advent of its existence. So I'm going to allow my portfolio to build. And then thirdly, you can use leverage. And leverage has many different ways of manifesting. But one way that I like to do it is just taking out a loan against your assets, in, in your crypto assets. And then buying more cash flow with that loan. And that's the key. The wealthy never sell their assets. They borrow against them. And so what I do, and I'll give you a real world example. Last year, I had X number of Bitcoin and I take my Bitcoin position. You can get a 35%, 50%, 75% loan to value. And basically have that loan funded in the next 24 to 48 hours without crazy underwriting through the bank without all of the, they don't ask for your, your credit score or your blood type or all these different W2s and mm-hmm. 1099s and all this stuff. You just, they're just like, oh, you own Bitcoin? Great. We'll give you 75% loan to value and you can go do whatever you want to with that loan. And what I do 
It's just like a whole life insurance policy or a home equity line of credit. I go buy, so I bought two rental properties mm-hmm. and I use those two rental properties cash flow to service the debt against the loan on my Bitcoin, pay that off. And now I own three assets instead of just one. And so you're able to duplicate them and you build wealth and, and then your personal financial system or statement grows because you have more and more assets that you're acquiring by using basically other people's money leveraged against your collateral. So that's the flywheel, cash flow, appreciation, leverage, and they all work in symphony to expand your net worth. And the dirty little secret is that strategy, those three little systems work in just about any arena or theater where there are assets that you can use, real estate, you can do cash flow in real estate. You can use leverage in real estate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, real estate appreciates in value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole, whole life insurance policies, you can take out loans there. They have accretive value. So there's all kinds of ways, stocks, you name it. But crypto is fast. It has velocity right now. It has momentum. You're on the front end of it. It's the most accessible asset class known to man. Like if you want to close a real estate deal, good luck in the next six to eight weeks. If I want to be earning half a percent a day on my capital, I could deploy 10 grand in the next 30 minutes in crypto and be earning. And so that's the difference uh, maker for me and why I'm so passionate about it. Sorry, I got long-winded, but those are the three systems. One of my questions is, if we all, if we have money, we have a bank account. If we have a 401k, we have stocks or bonds or whatever, and we kind of know how to get those. So how does someone say, okay, I want to invest in crypto? Yeah. Where's the platform? So great, great question. So you need a central exchange. That's the vocabulary word of the day for all the beginners out there. And a central exchange, their core utility to you is to change your fiat dollar, your native currency into your crypto of choice. And they'll have a catalog of cryptos that they have approved to provide you. So, you know, Coinbase, Gemini, FTX, KuCoin, Binance, all these, these are like the TD Ameritrade E-Trades of crypto. Yeah. Same idea. And so there you just hook your bank account up to it, fund your account, and then buy what you want or invest in. And I'm assuming this is all like, so if you have a 401k and the money is taken out of your pay every month. That's a pre-tax. So everything we do investing in crypto is I'm assuming post-tax. Yes, but there are plenty of now custodial services that are emerging for retirement accounts as well in crypto. I have a traditional IRA that is Bitcoin centric that I use. And so it's just a matter of having the right vendor and you can sync them up with your employer or your business. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming there's sort of like tax ramifications. Is this something on at the end of the year when you file your taxes, you have to say what you made in yeah. cryptocurrencies? Yeah. One of the first check boxes now on the US Form 1040 is, have you invested in crypto? <laughs> okay. And so it's basically viewed as short-term and long-term capital gains. It's property. So- yep. The same way that uh, that same rule, 12 months or more long-term, 12 12 months or less short-term capital gains is what you're looking at. Interesting. Okay. All right. So let's pivot a little bit. That was a little like drinking like 
from like a fire hose, but I think it was very helpful. And the listeners are probably like, okay, I have a little bit of an idea of where to start. I want to pivot into how you use LinkedIn for your business and tell us what that light bulb moment was. And then tell us how you pivoted your strategy. And now you, your personal brand is on LinkedIn and you're growing it and your strategies around that. Yeah. So, um, LinkedIn is unique because let's be honest, for those of us who grew up in the web two social media world, LinkedIn for so many years felt like the crotchety old digital resume site. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't know what happened, but basically a couple, three years ago, and some people, some LinkedIn purists are going to hate me for saying this, but Two or three years ago, I don't know, something happened. There was some kind of awakening. I don't know how to explain it. I I, I do not have a data. This is not a data-centered opinion. Something happened where uh, content creators, personal brand, and and it might have been an algorithmic update that LinkedIn made. I don't know. But the organic reach capabilities on LinkedIn are superior to that of Facebook and, yes. and Instagram and some of the contemporaries that LinkedIn grew up with, Twitter even. And obviously it's a certain clientele, the demographic there that I found to be congruent with who I'm trying to serve at Crypto Y'all. Crypto Y'all is basically meant to be the, hey, what would happen if we merged Southern hospitality <laughs> with the greatest financial technology in history? You don't have to be a Southerner to know that. And obviously it's a play on our crazy vernacular, but I was like, you know what, mate, where are the good guys in, in crypto? Cause if you go on the internet and you just start YouTubing and Twittering and trying to find info on, on crypto, you can find yourself in some smarmy scammy, you know, corners of the, the same way you can with any sure. you know, options, trading, whatever you want to get into Forex, name it. So I was like, man, I just, I'm just a normal guy that I'm a business owner. I read Robert Kiyosaki and fell in love with real estate investing. And I just, LinkedIn ended up being where most of the people who want to know what I, basically they want me to be their crash test dummy and I have been. And so those are the people typically who have investable dollars or some kind of residual, or they have ambition that outpaces their current ordinary income. And so they want to learn more about crypto. And so I just started posting there pretty consistently and got a lot of great feedback and kept doing it. It was rewarding. Also, just strategically, if you're starting a business or you own a business, yeah, I found that, you know, dominate, don't dabble when it comes to your marketing, really owning uh, a particular channel in marketing is usually more productive and lucrative than trying to diversify and, and have a watered down presence in mm-hmm. you know, five or six different channels. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, LinkedIn, I found traction there and I just tried to double down. So I post there two or three times a day yeah. and usually yeah. around business or crypto or marketing or, or sales. I, I do try to talk to my listeners about the importance of creating a personal brand and disseminating really, really, really useful information on the platform, not content for content's sake. So if you post a couple times a day, what kind of information are, are you posting? Some of it is, hey, here's, here's a copywriting trick that I learned as a young entrepreneur, um, or here's the reason why Bitcoin is valuable and three steps on how you can invest your first dollar in it. Or, um, oh, that's, that's great. I might talk about the three wealth strategies that you and I have already discussed. 
things like that. Everything that has to do with investing and creating more net worth uh, are where uh, kind of my interests and a lot of the interests of the audience that I'm finding that want to know more. So there's an ad out there right now. And, and you've probably seen it. It's a guy and he's like, I'm a millionaire. And then he's like, I'm not a millionaire. And then he's like, I'm a millionaire. And he's like packing up at his desk. And then a second later, he's like, I'm not a millionaire. And it's all about, for me, I read it as the volatility in investing in cryptocurrency. Yeah. So for me, that was like a little scary to be, to be honest. Can you just sort of explain the volatility yes. or in, in the market? Yes. It, Every market is going to have sectors of volatility, whether it's crypto or any other sector or, or any other industry. What I think everyone needs to grapple with, and this is what one of the first things we do in my cohorts is, number one, you need to set what I call a ferociously specific desired outcome. And what that means is we're grappling with a time horizon, what date and what dollar figure? What's the fundamental material outcome that you want from crypto? Because that guy in that commercial, he's the tail that's getting wagged by the dog. Mm -hmm. When we as investors approach a market, it needs to be our tool. We do not need to be its psychological punching bag. And so the things that protect you are twofold. Number one, don't invest money that you need next month to pay power bills that you need liquid. And let's grow into your crypto portfolio. Don't emotionally ape into Dogecoin because Elon's on Saturday Night Live talking about it. That, yeah. That's the difference. So first of all, you got to have, you got to be using capital that is affordable for you to use. Number two is the time horizon. You know, the funny play on that commercial that you're talking about is it's a he, he's working with like a minute by minute time horizon. Yeah. And usually that's because you're over he's overextended his investment and he shouldn't have so much on the line. Um, it, it, and so if you can work with a 12, 24, 36 month time horizon. And by the way, that's really short. I was going to say that's really short. Cause when you think about your 401k, you're thinking about like when I retire 30 years. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, and, and obviously the longer your time horizon, which you'll find most of the people who only believe in Bitcoin mm -hmm. and they will only invest in Bitcoin, they're going to have the longest time horizons because they are waiting on the million dollar Bitcoin, which is very possible. All it has to do is get to about a $10 trillion market cap. Right. They're going that way. It's just, they're there for the next 10, 20 years. That's fine. That's all they will. Ever. And once you have your time horizon and once you have a, a set aside amount of capital that you don't need for groceries and family vacations, mm -hmm. go invest. Okay. It's time to go invest. Yeah. This was amazing. I mean, I walked into this interview like knowing less than nothing, except that I have a friend who invested in Bitcoin yeah. like in 2008 and he can retire. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he can. That's all I know. I don't know how it happens. I don't know what he does. He was just like, yeah, I can retire. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got to learn about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> So if the listeners would like to get in touch with you, learn more about your services, because I'm sure most of them are like, yeah, okay, I need to learn more. How can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, go to CryptoYall.co. Uh, CryptoYall.co. 
I, I change things up there from time to time. I might have a training you can watch. I might have a, a tool that you can download. Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. The LinkedIn uh, button there on the page. You can read my bio, et cetera, and uh, follow me for daily content. Perfect. This was amazing. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for coming. Honored, yeah. Honored to be here. Thank you. Perfect. How many of you in that interview felt like uh, the Little Mermaid Ariel when she's singing? She's like, I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. It's like literally what I heard when Josh talked about all the different cryptocurrencies and blockchain this and cash flow that. I'm sure it made sense to some of you, but what it really did was show me how very, very little I know about the world of cryptocurrency and how much there is to learn. You might, again, be asking yourself how this conversation fits into a networking podcast, but this is also a networking and business development podcast. And if this form of currency has the fastest adoption rate of all currencies ever made, then maybe we should be thinking about it and how it fits into our business retirement accounts and our lives in general. And you know what? It's actually really cool to learn about something that you know absolutely nothing about. Another thing this conversation made abundantly clear to me is that you will most likely need someone to help you navigate your way through the cryptocurrency world in order to get started and not make a ton of mistakes. And why not have a nice guy with a southern drawl who enjoys a Woodford Reserve Double Oaked Whiskey help you navigate through it? Seems like a plan to me. Now on to the drink of the week, where I continue to be amazed at how there is simply a cocktail for everything. This week's cocktail is called the Crypto Nugget. I think that's all you got in this podcast. It was like a nugget of crypto information, but okay, here's Crypto Nugget. Here's what you're going to need. A half ounce of vodka, three-fourths ounce of apple schnapps, a quarter ounce of blue curacao, and a quarter ounce of lime, rose's lime juice. Shake up. You know what? This calls for rose's lime juice. Fuck that. You know you need a quarter ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice. Shake ingredients into a cocktail shaker with ice and strain into a sour glass. All right, friends, I hope you learned something today. And if you weren't interested in crypto before this, maybe your interests have been piqued. As always, friends, thanks for being here. Until next week. Cheers, y'all. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.